Nani? What's that? It's America's most radioactive podcast, the Pod People. I'm Shintis Podzilla. <laughs> I'm Ben Sheets and uh, Shin Godzilla. Get in the mech. Don't you mean Sh- Don't you mean Shinji Godzilla? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Cleveland Fukushima Mosher. How's it going? <laughs> well, we're we're very excited. Uh, we're very excited to welcome a first-time special guest to the podcast. Friend of the pod, Spence is here. Spence, welcome and thank you for being here. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're talking this week about uh, Cleveland's pick. Yeah. Which is uh, Gin Godzilla, the uh, 2016 Toho produced live action Godzilla spectacular, um, co directed by Hideaka Ano and Shinji Higuchi. In order to sort of ease us into this, Cleveland has kind of heralded Spence on the show as as somewhat of a an expert in uh, Japanese cinema. So Spence, would you would you like to intro uh, Shin Godzilla for us? Yeah, not to put you on the spot. No, but I mean, you know, I don't know what else to say about it besides that it was honestly a return to form for Godzilla, um, and a time that was very much needed. It's a it's a typical almost kind of like reboot. Well, yeah, because before this we had a the uh, the two thousands Godzilla. Uh, the Americanized one, which was pretty shit. There's the yeah, there's the Roland Emmerich one in like 2001, mm-hmm. and then there was the the first uh, of the legendary uh, Godzilla MonsterVerse films in 2013. Um, that one was directed by Gareth Edwards. Uh, this is a Toho produced uh, film, so the originators of Godzilla. Um, this is their first full reboot of the franchise. Um, I was reading that they had rebooted it a few times before, but always as a direct sequel to the original 1954, uh, I want to say, and, uh, where at least the world of man had been exposed to Godzilla before. But this is the first time going back to the very beginning where Godzilla is an entirely new discovery and kind of uh, in in a new direction. Um, and Godzilla isn't like fighting another big kaiju. It's just about Godzilla. Yeah, I, that was another thing I was going to say. This was the first uh, live-action uh, Japanese Godzilla film where he was not fighting another monster since Godzilla 1985. Um, so good, good long time. Yeah, this is, this is kind of a, a a traditional return to form for, uh, for the franchise with it really being more about the, uh, the sort of, uh, governmental reaction to, uh, this big radioactive lizard rising up out of the ocean and stomping around Tokyo. What do we do? How do we stop this? How do we prevent as much loss of life as possible? Um, and how do we uh, do it before America drops another nuke on Japan? <laughs> yeah, right. Spence, uh, when we were watching it yesterday, you, you'd mentioned that like Toho was sort of like on the... They were, they were, they were suffering. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, so to give you um, a look into Toho, uh, as a company, you know, they do a lot of um, production and distribution of movies domestically in Japan, um, as well as a few animes. But when it comes to the Godzilla series, uh, before this movie was the, um, internationally uh, the Ron Emmerich Godzilla, famously uh, a bomb in the box offices, and domestically the last film they made was Godzilla Final Wars, which I personally have a soft spot for as a movie, but realistically did absolute trash. Um, I've memory serves me right. They didn't even make back three fourths of their budget. Um, after releasing to a global market, so Toho and Godzilla was in a really bad spot, and there were multiple projects to revive Godzilla after Final Wars, um, that had been scrapped and canceled, and the project that actually went forward was what became the Gareth Edwards um 2013 Godzilla reboot, and that had been seen as almost like a last-ditch effort for Godzilla. Had that movie not done well, Toho would have not probably interacted with the IP at all, outside of, you know, maybe some figurines and stuff. Well, I'm I'm glad they did, because it feels like this one is sort of a clean slate, especially compared to the 2013 one. It's so different than that one. And I, I really like the opportunity to start from a clean slate because man oh man do they just make godzilla a little freak in this movie (laughs) (laughs) he's introduced coming out of the water and uh he's like bleeding all over the streets well yeah he's like he's like a a, in a sort of like devolved form like he yeah godzilla goes through like multiple rapid evolutions in in this film and so yeah when you when you first like see him come up onto land he's like doesn't really have like four legs he's got like these big dumb like fish eyes little googly-eyed fucking freak uh, flopping around the city, like trying to climb up a building and just like pushing it over, spilling blood and goo from his big uh, fleshy gills. See, I love this because it. I do it, too. You kind of get to have your cake mm-hmm. and eat it too, where even though this movie exclusively features one creature, Godzilla, Godzilla goes through multiple forms and phases, so you still get a lot of monster variety between them um yeah. i think the baby one is the best example it, it's it's pretty it, it's a pretty far shot from the original classic godzilla coming up out of the ocean um it's messy it's crawling around it's it's strange um and and new i i yeah i i frankly love its design um i find that it is it is a really nice middle ground between um cute almost funny but kind of terrifying i actually i actually think its design is pretty spooky um 
but also funny. You know, you, I mean, it's kind of like nervous laughter when I see it. Like it's it's, it's kind of nubby really, arms flailing around is funny, and it's big. It's eyes. really the big googly eyes for me yeah. that like makes it funny. I I agree with you. Otherwise, like I do think the design is is creepy. Like the big like fleshy gills are gross, and like the way it just kind of like flops around on land, like sort of like a fish. You know, like it's got back legs, but it doesn't have four legs. Like it is like kind of creepy and uncanny, but it does have those big googly eyes that I just to me are are the most cannot take seriously. I I found them to be like really uncanny because they look like big doll fake eyes, but the way that like fish eyes look. Yes, they're fish eyes. Mm-hmm. They're big. And they're big, glassy, lifeless fish eyes. Lifeless and yeah, and like un unthinking and uncaring. And when that's like filling the horizon and just like destroying everything in its path. Like it, it feels like a part of nature, right? Like it feels like this, like it's just, it's just a fish that just happened to find its way on shore. It's this weird baby that's just, you know, like uh, roving around, destroying everything, and not, and just it's, it's a force of nature. It's a cyclone, and um, that kind of reminds me of like the end of Akira too, you know, where he's like a big bait, like a big melty baby mutant, like destroying everything. It's it's that. I don't know. There's some there's some interesting tie-ins there. I think. Also, it, it sort of looks like a, a middle ground between a toad and a tadpole. You know, its arms haven't fully formed. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like that. What What do you think, Spence? About well, the design? um, Cleveland, uh, I sent you um pictures from the concept art book. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't know if you remember seeing them. There, so there's actually um and decent Ben. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's actually there was actually six planned forms for Godzilla in this film. And one of the forms that was cut was um, a first form that looks exactly like a tadpole. And basically what it looks like is just a lungfish with like a really messed up like face and like a super long tail. And this is actually a first in Godzilla because in most um, Godzilla films, Godzilla is either like a prehistoric creature or just a creature that's created. But um, that rapid evolution kind of brings into sight that this is, you know, a creature that had existed in the water, had mutated due to um, radioactive dumping, and, you know, needed to change forms because it ran out of a food source in the water. And I think that that's kind of an understated point when we see um, Kamada-kun, which is the fan name for the uh, baby form. When it comes oh, on yes. to Crown, Good name. He, he looks like he's in pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's only really taking to the land because he needs radiation. You know, there's no more in the water. And, you know, it's this creature kind of not made for land trying to force itself to a new environment. It's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. The dawn of evolution with fish first coming up on land, you know, and growing legs. It's I really like that. That's right. Yeah, I I I think what's what's really great about this this iteration of Godzilla is that it really feels like Godzilla at its most distilled as like a unstoppable force of nature that is destroying us because of our own like actions. You know, like the the original Godzilla obviously was, you know, a a response to the horrors of like nuclear war. 
the the collective trauma of Japan from the dropping of the bombs in World War II and, you know, as as sort of a cautionary tale for, uh, you know, man's hubris getting out of its control and and returning as as sort of this unstoppable force. And I think that a lot of the subsequent Godzilla movies, for better and worse, have uh, have sort of lost that that, you know, theme um, and this is returning to it, uh, not just about like the the dropping of the bombs, but also as a response to like the Fukushima uh, nuclear meltdown yep. uh, disaster. Uh, I know that the, both the directors were very uh, open about that that being sort of the template for the way the human characters behave in this movie as sort of like an indictment of how badly Japan's government responded to the Fukushima disaster and some of the decisions they made and sort of mirroring those types of things in the response to uh, this big radioactive lizard that, as we've mentioned, you know, has evolved from a simpler life form from feeding on radioactive waste that has been dumped into the ocean. You know, so again, like man's man's hubris creating something that they cannot control. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, the uh, early scenes with the cabinet and the government is actually almost one to one to how um, the Japanese government handled the initial response to Fukushima. And I think that is the most interesting part um, that kind of speaks to me. Um, is, you know, this film, uh, to go into a little bit of history on Anno, um, I don't know if you guys know, uh, he actually is a very huge fan of Tokusatsu. Um, all, you know, major forms of it, Ultraman, Kamen Rider. And whenever he first, um, was breaking into the entertainment industry, he actually submitted projects to both Toho and Sabria originally, before he even started writing Evangelion. And both of them were declined, um, which actually ends up really, I think, painting a lot of the weird depression and kind of, you know, downiness of um, Evangelion, because he was in a really bad spot where he felt like, you know, his heroes had abandoned him, because ever since a child, he had wanted to work in this industry with these heroes and basically had every door closed for him. So whenever Toho came to him, um, you know, as a possible director, uh, you know, this painted someone who really understood Godzilla's origins. And after seeing this, you know, and they had announced that he was going to do an Ultraman, kind of put me like, oh no, Anna's going to make one of the best Ultraman movies ever. Like this guy gets tokusatsu. And I know that he's just one of two directors on this, that that Shinji Higuchi is also credited as a director, who I was looking at some of his stuff, and he seems to have worked pretty closely with Anno throughout most of his career, it looks like. Um, definitely involved in some Evangelion stuff. Uh, he directed the two uh, Attack on Titan movies, which I haven't seen. I'm not enough of a weeb for that. Um and good. <laughs> not good. Uh, um, I mean, they're okay. Well, and and he he also went on to actually direct Shin Ultraman um, with with Anno writing. Um, 
and I think they're working together on, or they did work together on Shin Kamen Rider, which comes out this year. Is that out already? Uh, yes, that has been out for a few months. Um, it's actually getting yeah. its first showing in America on May thirty first. That's a Ooh, okay Adam event. Oh wow! You see it in It'll be right after this comes out. Oh yeah, I already I bought my ticket day one, dude. I'm I'm in. Oh yeah. The clips I've seen look look fantastic. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, that's all just going to say that like they obviously Toho obviously put this film in very good hands and it shows. I like this movie a lot. Uh, I don't think it's entirely devoid of problems, but um, I, I think that it is a really interesting and exciting movie too for how much of it is really just like about the government response and not, you know, directly fighting Godzilla. Well, um, like although there is, there is plenty of that. For sure. That's my favorite nod to the original film, which I, I watched for the first time uh, only a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, like with, with these classic monster films, um, you know, they, they keep their cards relatively close to their chest because, like, you know, it's, it's a guy in a rubber suit destroying a cardboard city. Like, there's only so much they can do with, like, masking. Oh, but not this one. In the scenes. But, um, so a lot of the film is the build-up around it. It's It's the scientists in the rooms figuring out how they're going to handle this event. Uh, it's the news reporters. It's the soldiers on the ground. It's, you know, it, it's all the people responding to it. But there are primary protagonists. There are, like, important people involved that sort of span across all of these events that we root for or, or, or boo at. But um, overall, the, the really the primary character of these movies is the nation of Japan, right? Uh, this movie carries on that legacy beautifully. Um, we're constantly flitting from news anchors to, you know, like, broadcasting rooms to uh, the, you know, the, the government halls and the science teams, and we're seeing all of it play out. Now, in this case, or, you know, poorly uh, often, but I love the, fr but, but not exclusively, like, what I really like about it is there are still, like, characters that you're rooting for like are the, the sort of the protagonist character uh, i forget his name um higuchi higuchi yeah like we're, we're rooting for higuchi right like he's uh he realizes like what it could be very early on he's posing like more obscure hypotheses that end up being true it's a big uh, lizard in the ocean but um uh and we and we care about his character he clearly like wants people to be safe and and means for the best uh and i like that i like that it's not exclusively dour and we're not just sitting around, like, frowning over the, the government response exclusively. You can tell there are still good people at hand, and they're trying to work through this terrible system. They're trying to work through the bureaucracy and just cut to what needs to be done. Um, and I, I really like that. Like, there's there's a lot of friction there, and it's, it's tense. It's quickly paced. We're going from scene to scene really fast as people are just trying to figure out what's happening. And, you know, there's, there's pretty long stints uh, where there's no Godzilla at all. Um, I think, like, the first time he kind of stops, uh, we don't cut back to him for ten minutes. Uh, and when we do, it's just to see his tail twitch. And then we don't cut back to him for another ten minutes. Like, there's a, you know, pretty much a, minus that one shot, about 20-minute sequence, where it's just the people trying to figure out what to do next. And it's yeah. compelling as hell. It's, it's really, well, it really keeps, I was engaged the whole movie. Yeah, well, because, I mean, like, Godzilla's not really a character, right? It's a, f oh. it's a, f it's a he's a force you know in, in like a disaster movie you know you don't 
focus the camera on the hurricane blowing outside the window the whole time you know you're 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 inside you're inside with the people like trying to figure out how do we escape the hurricane right but we've all seen kong versus godzilla right like the hurricane is a character in that movie, and frankly, that, Wolf, false, false, false equivalency. Totally false different movie. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally different. Totally different goals. Totally different. Uh, like depiction of Godzilla. Like yeah. that. The the legendary monster verse Godzilla is not the same Godzilla that is that is in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're they're very very different. And while um, we're on that topic, I do also want to note uh, that. You know, while the, the the prior films had sort of forgotten like what Godzilla was and what he represented, also I think they they went the opposite route and were a little bit too heavy handed with it. I like to think about the that one scene in King of the Monsters where the guy like gives him the the pocket watch that's from her like that stopped from Hiroshima, and it's like, well, yeah, it's it's important to have that, but it did it did you know like it's almost like it's too direct. Yeah, um, man, I don't, I don't. I don't like those movies. Like I liked I Kong. I like I liked Kong versus Godzilla well enough, but like the legendary Godzilla movies, like the first, the Gareth Edwards one and King of the Monsters. Like I don't really like those movies very much. Yeah, I, I, I love a lot of sequences in them. Like I, I think there's some really cool moments. And overall, I I, I know y'all disagree, but I, I do like some of the character stuff in them as well. Um, I, I'm like, enough. I I find those movies kind of boring. I do too. Um, even though like. They're a little more paced than this one, even. Well, they're more. I think this one has. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a better way of putting it. This one, it has such a ticking clock to all the trying to problem solve that it doesn't feel overly long. I do think it drags slightly in the middle. Yeah, um, but not to a point where it it uh, negates much of the movie and uh, like i said it's a much more compelling movie yeah well while while we're yeah while we're on this comparison point i think the the big difference for me is that this movie feels like it has stakes in a way that the that the legendary godzilla movies just like don't I don't know, like I mean I know there's it's a whole like oh we gotta save the world and keep this keep the city's safe from Godzilla or whatever monsters or King Ghidra or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. There's something about the way those movies present them. Like it feels so intangible. Like, I don't feel like it's like, okay, CG monsters smashing CG buildings. And we're not seeing like the people on the ground, you know, in, in the same way Or it's like this, this movie, the stakes feel like very, very real. Like we really like, see the the like devastation that Godzilla inflicts on Tokyo just fuck just fucking walking through the city you know and then of course there's like the probably my favorite scene later where they're trying to drop the bombs on him and he does the the fucking like laser breath for the first time which is fucking awesome but it's like it feels like a fucking nuke went off, you know? And I don't know, I just don't feel that 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 same like sense of devastation in the legendary ones, even if there is more actual like smashing of buildings, I don't know. 
Well, Spence, you're yeah. uh, you're kind of more in my camp on this one. You're you're a fan. You're a big fan of like King of the Monsters and the 2013 one. And, yeah. Uh, well, I, I was gonna say, you know that meme of the uh, the girl saying like no to the guy, and she's like spinning out a torrent of knives that are like going through the dude. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I feel right now. Just absolutely <laughs> just getting serrated and blasted. But um, you know, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It th- that's a joke. You know, again, the interesting thing about Godzilla and you know I always bring this up with anyone I talk to is that Godzilla is across so many mediums and just films as different things to the point that as a Godzilla fan I've grown to enjoy films for what they try to do and kind of you know like don't really compare apples to oranges, in my opinion. Yeah. So the whole deal with the legendary Godzillas is, is, you know, they're more, like you said, action-focused. They are very much trying to elicit the same ideas as the Heisei Godzillas, where, you know, every film that was coming out was Godzilla x Biollante. Um, You know, kind of the whole Final Wars situation where, you know, Final Wars has... 22 kaiju in it Jesus. and you know we're just being shown like okay here's Kamongo over france just <laughs> destroying stuff and then you know we're gonna go to gaigen over japan and that's a really different feel compared to shin godzilla which you know is this super tight contained character piece um and then you know we can go in the complete opposite direction and talk about the Netflix anime movies. Oh yeah. Which are these like super hard sci-fi weirdo stuffs. That series takes place like thousands of years in the future and man is like only just now coming back to earth because Godzilla won. Yeah, that series yeah. is wild. If you haven't seen it. Um Yeah, and and you you know like I I think that that is I think that you're 100% correct, Spence, and that is a totally fair argument. And what I will append onto uh, my spraying of knives about the legendary <laughs> movies is that it really, you're you're right, there are so many different, like, flavors of Godzilla media that it ultimately comes down to what you prefer and what kind of Godzilla you like. And... To be totally honest, I have not seen that many Godzilla movies, all things considered. You know, I've seen all the legendary ones. I've seen Shin Godzilla, obviously. When I was a kid, I saw Godzilla 2000 in theaters. Like, I've seen, like, maybe one or two others in there somewhere. So, like, I I say all of that as, like, somebody who does not have the strongest grasp of the Godzilla canon, I guess. I just know what I like and what I don't like, and I I really like Shin Godzilla, and that's the kind of... That's that's what I want for this type of movie, more so than the the legendary ones. That being said, I don't... I don't... I do not, by any means, dislike a kaiju fighting movie. I love Pacific Rim. Um... Especially the first yeah. one. The, the second one's okay, but... I will say, you know, I think at its core, Godzilla is a very Japanese story. So I think some of the the shortcomings that I see in the legendary movie, as well as the 2001, come from kind of some of that being lost in translation almost, trying to I be thought, Americanized. 
Yeah, um, to a degree. My my thought is like, you know, going with that idea of like, there's so many variants of it. Is I love a big lizard, and I'm here to taste all the different big lizard flavors that they're they're bringing sure. to the table. You know, like oh, and uh, you're, you're uh, like Jeff Bezos at the table, smiling over the iguana. <laughs> Yo, I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm excited. You know what? I, I will I will say too, like the monster fight stuff in all the legendary movies is pretty fun. I I think really a bigger a bigger issue I have with them is that I don't really like any of the human characters. Like I. I remember going to see the the Gareth Edwards one in 2013 in theaters being like super hype because we were still in those days. Like I think the final season of Breaking Bad had like just aired. Brian Cranston was still hot. And I went to that. It's like, yes, Brian Cranston in a Godzilla movie. This is great. (laughs) And I remember sitting there just being shocked at how they made Brian Cranston just like a totally wooden, uninteresting uh, nerd. Well, he, die- he dies in the first and, four. And, and in 14 minutes. Also that. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, the first 14 minutes, and he's just dead, gone. Yeah, sucks. Yeah. And it's like... That was bad marketing. I, like they did, they did I don't care... I don't care about Aaron Taylor Johnson. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do with these characters? I will and, say, you know, for me, it was, it was made up for the fact uh, by, like, some of the, some of the shots. I think, I think that that movie has incredible cinematography. Like, when they shoot honestly, the over the side of it and them, like, flying the, down over it. Like, I love those sequences. The coolest, the coolest thing that movie did was that first trailer that they released of like the the marines like jumping out of the plane doing like the halo jump coming down into the burning city and just like falling into the smoke and then just falling past this like massive form like that that was fucking cool and i don't think the movie lived up to that and how cool that fucking scene was anyway we should be talking about shin godzilla um Oh, and we're before we about... do, when it comes to variants, there's one other one I just wanted to touch on real quick that we forgot about, and that was the Fox uh, animated cartoon. Yes, dude! I was gonna... Network one. That was the first one I grew up with. <laughs> Me too! I was gonna ask if anybody else watched that. Yeah, yeah dude. dude. I watched the shit out of that when I was a kid. Probably not aged well, but I also, I do like the Roland Emmerich cartoon design Godzilla, where he's like really sharp, um, with a big, like, he has like that that Bruce Wayne jaw that's like really massive. I like I like that design of Godzilla too. I, that's a well that, that and that Godzilla is uh, is canonically female as well. Wow, Lady, Go- Lady Godzilla. They tra- they trans Godzilla all the way back in two thousand and one. Wow, woke Hollywood. The woke the the woke mind <laughs> virus has been time traveling. Yeah, um, more like Vokeland Emmerich. Get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now we can get uh, back to <laughs> talking about Shin Godzilla. All right. Well, all right, to, to interrupt, there's actually a really funny thing going on where um, the Godzilla store every few years does a popularity contest to decide a new figure. And currently they're in their final stages and the 98 Zilla is in the top four for a figure this year. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really weird thing where, like, even though, you know, everyone kind of hates the movie, that design, you know, everyone kind of agrees. It's, yeah, I just feel like that movie is kind of getting a reappraisal in the last few years. 
I don't no. think it deserves it, but <laughs> I'd be cu- I haven't seen it in a very long time. It'd be kind of fun. Movie fucking it. sucks. I, I think it's just a design, Ben. I'm I, I'm gonna think everybody in their right mind will tell you that uh, that's. A <laughs> I lot hope of so. The movie is trash. Yeah, it's just such a big yeah. resurgence. Netflix is partly responsible. They keep taking all these like flop movies from the. 2000s and 90s and like putting them up and being like wow people really love this now because we put it at the top of our algorithm yeah nostalgia bullshit also like roland emmerich's a fucking hack man Correct. he got he got lucky with independence day independence day is not even as good as it's remembered i, I think. like independence day as a cartoon but man i've seen moonfall like it's I... fine yeah i saw that i remember seeing the independence day uh sequel that came out a few oh, years ago god Oh, yeah, skip that one. Ooh, that shit was doo-doo. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. Finally, course correcting for down. real this time. Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. Well, to circle back, uh, you know, one thing I really like in this movie is how they show Godzilla. Because they, they have a lot of wide shots of, like, you know, Godzilla, and you see him very clearly. But you also get these closer shots of him kind of just wreaking havoc on uh on streets you know as he uh, crawls through and you know fumbles about and you really see kind of the devastating effects of him being nearby just boats being like thrown onto the streets when he's first yeah i love that one of the, the the first sequences we get uh when he's coming onto land is a bunch of fucking boats just being thrown through mm. through a street. Before we even see it, uh, it's it's just this wall of of boats and debris being just pushed up and over onto buildings with some sort of scaled entity like through the smoke behind it, and uh, it's great. Like I love the setup. You slowly see, they slowly reveal the creature, and then you get it in full, and they really revel in it. And uh, like the the first shot. Um, with just the plume in the distance is really good. And one of my favorite moments is early on when the we get that shot of the uh, the tunnel and just the, the blood just comes in and just destroys a car. Through uh, the ceiling, yeah. That whole part, that setup reminds me a lot of uh, Cloverfield. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, like all the people like hiding in the tunnel, this sort of taken from like cell phone videos and stuff. And like, we haven't really seen the monster. We know there's something out there. Um, I, I like that stuff. And I feel like even though they're, they don't really like utilize like videos from people's phones or whatever throughout the rest of the film, they do still use a lot of the same kind of like camera style. I think there's a lot of like, Godzilla from the ground like from obviously like moving cars and stuff and I think it really uh helps with the scale you know um, yeah unintended there's there's a oh yeah there you go um I th- that's that's another kind of problem that I have with the the uh like legendary Godzilla is like I feel like the camera is on the monster's eye level a little bit too often you know what I mean and it's like I think if you really want to like portray scale of like a big monster you gotta shoot it low right you gotta shoot it from the ground yeah in king of the monsters and in godzilla versus kong like you know their characters and they're they're portrayed almost as boxers 
you know, like at like head right. level. I do love that, but um, I think I do think Go- Godzilla versus Kong is fun. I'm I'm on yeah. record with enjoying that movie. Yeah, yeah. Like 20, 2013, I think does like do a lot of like pretty low level shots and has a lot of boots on the ground stuff where you're you know you're you're uh, you know you're seeing them you know through the smoke. Um, but yeah, no. I, overall, though, I I, yeah, I love how they they do it in this film. And I, I do think it's a key indication of you know Anno trying to emulate that style because you know a lot of um, the shots of Godzilla in this film feel almost one to one with how they shot the original suit um, in '54. And you know in '54 it was done that way because you know they had the limitations; they didn't want you to see you know the obvious suit. Um, where here. You know, even though uh, the majority of the shots are also CG, you know, they're still trying to emulate that feeling of tokusatsu shooting, which I think is very key for a lot of tokusatsu films. And it's kind of like a make and break for them. Yeah, there there are a few... I, I, I did catch a few, like, miniatures in in this movie which was yeah. fun. They're used very sparingly. But you mentioned you mentioned well, the CG Spence and that is something that I wanted to talk about. How do y'all feel about like the the CG and like the digital effects in this movie because I'm kind of of two minds about it. I feel so I, like sometimes it looks really great and then other times it feels kind of cheap. I don't know. What what do you how do y'all feel about it? I think to me, the moment that stands out as the most CG is when the helicopters first come in. For the most part, the masking and the mats and the the damage um, and Godzilla uh, itself as a baby and all the rest, like I, it looks so good. You you really can't. For me, it was kind of difficult to tell, like if it was puppetry or if it was like a guy in a suit or if it was CG. Like when he's no, like, it's all CG. But you know, he's a big lizard and he's very alien looking. So it translates very well, I thought. Um, uh, but when the other objects, like the helicopters, come in after him um, in the, the, the first sequence where they're like, oh, do we shoot? There are still civilians in the area, and they end up calling it off. They're pretty noticeably CG, like flying through the air. But I personally, I didn't really mind it because it's so well edited and shot that like the, the intensity is so strong and I was already so excited for helicopters to come in and fight Godzilla that I didn't mind at all. Like I was I was on board. I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna get some helicopter fights, you know, like it's gonna be great. Uh Yeah, and I think, you know, post Evangelion, uh, you know, having Anno at the helm really helps with a lot of the CG, both in kind of uh helping coordinate uh animation teams as well as kind of having an eye for composition and, you know, what helps with scale. Um, Because there's so many sequences in Evangelion where it's, you know, trying to emphasize the the scale and size of things. And I think that works to an advantage here, especially with the CG, because we get so many details that I don't know if we would get otherwise. Like, the the fleshiness of Godzilla himself in this movie uh, is so tactile. I have to wonder, because, um, I don't know if you guys know, but they actually, when they originally were filming the scenes for Godzilla, um, actually wanted to go full practical. And there's actually (laughs) behind-the-scenes footage of them with a... uh, 
multi-person operated puppet of Godzilla. And what happened was when they were attempting to try and film these scenes, um, it was just deemed too difficult on the operators to get the shots that um, Higuchi and Anna wanted. So, you know, for the scenes that do have, like, kind of noticeably CG parts, I wonder if those, you know, had to be kind of done last minute-ish. Well, that's almost like the double-edged sword of being an expert in, you know, animation, uh, right? Like, uh, having so much experience with Evangelion, like, you have so much control doing an animated show or movie where you don't get quite as much control when it's humans in a suit, and it makes things a little trickier. And, and yeah. Eva, like, walking around versus a person walking around, like, technically is about as the equivalent. You yeah, I, I I really think, Ben, a, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned the composition, and I think that that is, like, the ultimate saving grace for me, because I don't know if it's just because, like, being spoiled with the the standard of like big budget american like production cg but it's like there are i think a number of times in this movie where like the cg modeling of godzilla stands out quite a bit and sort of looks like a like a video game character almost but the the compositions of the shots are so interesting and exciting and dynamic and so different from you know to go back to the the easy punching bag of like marvel movies where it's just like actors on a green screen total cg slot but all like framed so statically and boring with like uninteresting composition that just makes it look like one big gray slurry of like digital effects this movie like even though the the quality of the cg might not be quite up to the level of like the legendary ones for example like the shot composition itself and the framing and the editing and everything is so top-notch that it, it sort of almost erases those problems, I think. And too, sometimes, personally, I like to see the strings a little Like, that's the fun of movie-making and, and getting to enjoy them. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, I still remember, like, watching, you know, like, Star Wars movies, you know, for the first time, being like, oh, that's a puppet! And like, and getting mm-hmm. excited about it, and like getting excited about like how like it's it's made by a person, and and knowing and, and getting to like both engage in the fantasy and also in the making, and I you know like especially just and as I get older and you know I kind of return to that that feeling, um, I, I appreciate it all the more. Uh, you know, like in you know, some of the projects we're working on now, where they're video games, they're all like CG rendered, but we're taking steps to make them feel like people in rubber suits and puppetry for that same reason. Like, it's, people sometimes like seeing the strings, and I think this is a great example of it. Yeah, I like seeing the strings usually when it's practical. I think that's a little more charming than, yeah. you know, sort of low-quality CG. Yeah. Not that this movie is really that. It, it's it's never it's never that bad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something I did, I read today uh, that I thought was interesting is that, like, though Godzilla is entirely CG in this, it is mo-capped. Like, they did have a guy, like, doing the motions, which I almost, which I actually found really surprising, because I feel like 
Godzilla's movement in this is like so stiff and rigid. Well, especially in like his final form that we see him in in the film. Um, a little less so with uh, the the I, I forget what's 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 the second one. The second form's called Kamada Kun. Kamada Kun, yeah. Um, like yeah, his the the like Godzilla's final form or whatever is like very stiff and rigid and sort of plodding and i when watching it i was almost like i wonder if they're not having him like move around like move very much because it's like too difficult to animate and so they just had like this really detailed yeah. model that they were just kind of but no they got a they they had a dude doing mocap so i see that's interesting it read like that for me uh when first off when he's in Kamatakun form and he and he's he's roving around the city. It's very he's much dynamic. more dynamic. He's dynamic. He's, he's he's bouncing around, and they show that he's using the streets that. of Tokyo as a slip and slide. It's a slip and slide. Yeah, um, very slippery too, with all of the blood that's pouring out of his gills. Um, yeah. But when and it does become upright and it returns later on, it's got this black hardened shell around it like it's not really scales so much as it's these like, like big rocky grant black granite gravelly cracked uh carapace and um it looks hardened and powerful and weighty and stiff and also pained like clearly like through from from every form of godzilla in this film looks painful like it, it is having a bad time um its growth its evolution its um and its interactions with the city are hurting it like just walking around looks painful to it in the way that like me getting out of bed when like i've thrown my back out like i i walk kind of stiffly and weighty like that and that's that's how i read it like i i read it as like like it's it's in great pain yeah i i mean yeah that's it's it's true I I was more just saying that as I'm surprised that they had a dude mocap no, like a dude sure. mocapping it because, because it doesn't yeah. because of the stiffness like it it feels like it feels like they didn't have the time or the budget or the ability to like edit it to be you know more more mobile so to like learn that there was like a dude who's just like stiffly walking around I just thought that was interesting like I I agree I mean you know if we want if, th- this movie does try to take a uh, relatively more scientific approach you know there's that's a big part of the problem solving like how do we stop godzilla well we have to understand it it's like the most advanced life form on the planet with just like an insane amount of genetic material blah 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 all this shit so you know you're if if you're thinking about it scientifically like the film wants you to it's like yeah something of that size and mass like realistically physically would not really be able to move and it would just be in constant agony. Like, that's why there are no animals that large on planet Earth. Because it's, like, it is not, like, physically possible, you know? Yeah. And the reason the reason why things were so big, like, in the time of the dinosaurs is because there was, like, way more oxygen in the air. So it could, like, support it. But I agree with you, Cleveland. Like, I, I like I yeah. like the sort of interpretation of, like, yeah, it's a, it, it's a, 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 an organism that is larger than should be physically possible. So it's not, like, spry and nimble and, like, leaping around. So it's fine. Anyway, Spence, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say, um, I always equated that to be more of the horror aspect of this film. 
um, where, you know, when we finally get the uh, third and fourth uh, forms, the fourth form specifically when he's come back out of the water, it feels very alien. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things um, that poise that uncanny valley of, like, you know, it should feel like it's moving around dynamically, but it's got this static position where its arms are curled up. And in the scenes where we do see him, like, you know, uh, react to when the uh, the mob twos are dropped onto him, the only thing that moves is his eye. You know, his eye, which was, like, ground level, moves to the sky. But, like, his whole face, his jaw never, like, moves in that scene. And, you know, it just feels, like, robotic. Yeah, it's a, it's uncanny. You're That's the right word for it. Yeah, I love I love when they drop the the bunker busters on him. Like that's that's the fucking coolest scene, honestly. Yeah, like that yeah. is that is like uh, some some like real movie mindset shit right yeah. there. So it it's, it escalates perfectly too because like earlier on they bring in the helicopters, they fire at it. Um, it eventually just turns around and goes back into the water. Um, uh, but when it returns, they're like, oh yeah, like helicopters aren't going to fucking do it. And they, they call in, like, U.S. stealth bombers, I think. Is that the point? Or am I yeah. Getting ahead of yeah. Myself? Yep. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. You're right. They call in the U.S. stealth bombers, and they drop, like, specifically bunker busters. So, like, for those who don't understand, like, that's a missile that is specifically designed to, like, break through feet and feet and feet of, of concrete and reinforced, like, tank material and then explode inside of it. And we see that happen to Godzilla's skin. Like, it, the missiles come down and they hit it, and they burst through it, and they explode inside of Godzilla, and it looks extremely painful and bloody. Like, blood erupts from its back. Um, it's tremendous. And, uh... The first, the first time they've, anybody has been able to successfully draw blood on Godzilla thus far. Yeah, and if it's... Bleeding, completely shrugged off, yeah, it is completely shrugged off all the other, all other weapons. Yeah, and, and again, you really see how bad of a time Godzilla is having. Um, and it, and it bends over and, like, faces the ground... And, like, for a moment, everyone is cheering, and then it starts to, and then its its back starts to glow purple. And I love it, because in the past, like, even though, like, the 2000s one or whatever, like, Godzilla has always been sort of associated with either, well, black and white, or, like, kind of green colors, and, um, uh, like, cyans and blues, and I don't know, like, like the there's something about, like, the black skin with the purple glow that just feels, like, so much more, like demonic and 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 dark and uh, the purple glow, glow is great feels very evangelion to me <laughs> yeah that that shit when it's like firing the fire and its lasers mm. and we're just seeing them like cut through all of the buildings and stuff like that shit is so fucking anime it's great and it's, and it's so fucking cool so like it, it and i love it. it doesn't start with a laser like it it, it bends over and its back glows and it just erupts with this 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 smoke that billows out, and we get this wonderful shot where it cuts back really far, and we see that the smoke is just pouring out through all of the city streets. Like it's like the entire city has just been like covered in this like wind blast, and the smoke grows and grows, and then it becomes fire, uh, and as fire starts pouring out of its mouth, and then finally the fire like like concentrates into like a spot and then it becomes a laser beam that's so powerful and nuclear and then it whips its head up and the laser beam like ignites the sky and it's it's fucking incredible and i, I yeah love it's it. 
it's it's literally like turning on like a gas stove right where it's like at the low levels it's like it's like the orange uh flame and as you turn it up higher it gets more concentrated and blue and like tight the flames are smaller and tighter it's yeah it's it's just like he's charging up his fucking nuclear laser of devastation yeah, and, and, and then, like, he sweeps it across the city, and we see it, like, hit these... And technically, like, uh, well, the CG, I, I did find to be pretty impressive in those shots, where, like, it, you see the laser, like, not just cut through the buildings, but, like, cut through, and there's, like, orange fire inside the buildings as they, like, yeah. are burst into flames and explode, and it just rips through the city. And it's just, like, in one shot, like, it, it cuts through, like, six or so buildings, and they all are, for, like, like, very tightly and technically, like... Um, rendered and it looks amazing and uh it does, and then, the, it does the kind of traditional anime thing where like a laser cuts through something and then there's like a beat and a half second later it explodes you know yeah, oh, yeah. And it's so fun um and what it really reminded me of of course is uh you know as dark souls fans is dark eater madeira right and, and yeah like uh my favorite boss design probably least favorite mechanical boss to fight but um too hard uh, too hard. Even for I'm, an I'm, class, I'm hard. saying it. I'm saying it here. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be the one who bravely comes out and says that Dark Eater Madeira is too hard. Too hard. Yeah. Too yeah, I beat him, but I had to summon three people to help me. I, I beat him once <laughs> in right, New Game Plus didn't didn't try. Like fuck that. Like I, I just walked around. But like design wise he's the coolest, right? Like but it, it does that same like purple laser beam that erupts into flames. Um and it just man, it looks so it looks so fucking it's just one of my favorite like uh, special effects to see is like like lasers with like fire bursting from them. It, it, it looks amazing. and then like and when he shoots them out of his spikes too, yeah, his, his, like his fins. All... Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like like one laser beam is terrifying enough, but then they try to drop more bombs on him, and he he, he clenches in, and like his entire back just er, er, erupts with lasers, and it's like a Pink Floyd show. It just fucking fills the sky. Um, yeah, and just like cuts all the bombers to pieces. It's like oh, there's. Something way above me that I can't reach. Psych. Mm-hmm. That's, and then his tail starts shooting the laser too. Oh yeah. yeah, they save that reveal for later, but that that was fucking cool too. <laughs> He's just got a laser on his a laser at both ends. Mm-hmm. Hey man, that's me after Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing I love the most about uh, these modern renditions of Godzilla uh, with the 2013 one. I think it also does it well, but in a different way, is when a director understands Godzilla, um, they understand that the atomic breath scene needs to take your breath away. Like, you know, you can't just have Godzilla in the beginning of the film use the atomic breath and, you know, be like, oh yeah, cool, look at its, you know, ability, like uh, Thanos, you know, using the reality stone. It's like, no, it needs to be a center focus piece. There needs to be that slow build up, that charge up, and then, you know, this spectacular light show. Well, and and that it taps him out too, right? Like in this yeah. movie, like after that scene, he just like goes into a period of dormancy for like two or three weeks or something like that, right? Just mm-hmm. like frozen still in in uh the middle of Tokyo because like as they say multiple times, you know, he's like l- powered by nuclear fission. So there's there's literally a nuclear reactor inside of him and he's like tapped it out and has to 
like go into a period of dormancy to prevent his own body from like going into a meltdown. So it's like the atomic breath is devastating, but it's not something that he can just like continually use. Right. Like he is it. And that's how it should be. It should feel like something that, like you said, Spence, it takes your breath away. That is, uh, uh, something that is it's a climactic moment overuse of it makes it common right well, and at the risk of sounding like a moron like we have a clear understanding of his power levels <laughs> yeah they're they're <laughs> over nine thousand, i would say way over yeah <laughs> one of my favorite parts about this film is these action scenes where um first of all a lot of the music in the film is direct music from the 54. Yes. Um, you know, remixed. Um, when we have the scenes where uh, they're using, like, the uh, plan um, Orochi, um, you know, the Gucci plan to <laughs> put him to sleep, send him to the dentist. Yep. Uh, they're playing these um, self-defense force, Japanese army theme, over just, you know, these trains kind of rolling through the city. And before that, we get that same music as they're showing, like, people in a factory making a blood coagulant. And, you know, it kind of puts, you know, the heroes as, you know, not your military men and, you know, Big Bang America does, where it's like, oh, you know, action, cool guys, the U.S. military, oorah, let's go. But here's, you know, these everyday men and women and bureaucrats who are getting, like, the epic music scene as they're, like, filing paper. Yeah, a lot of uh, very exciting moments of people uh, rapidly typing on laptops and walking down halls, you know? <laughs> it is exciting, though. Like, it, like I, I, I joke, but, like, it is... Uh, a legitimately like exciting film very dense very quickly paced i cannot say that i was able to reliably track any characters other than uh you know our our protagonist for the most part yaguchi and then the <laughs> the uh the japanese american diplomat girl oh yeah okay. yeah the uh, senator's daughter yeah, we gotta talk about what'd you say, Spence? Uh this uh her like English where it's like, you help me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she yes. she is she is supposed to be an American. Um she's the I think is what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's a Senator's she's a, daughter. She's a senator's daughter, but um, because of her, you know, shared Japanese American heritage, she's a natural choice for uh, a sort of like uh, diplomatic liaison between the U.S. and Japan. So she's supposed to be an American character. Um, like you can, t I obviously like I'm not a uh, a Japanese speaker by any means, but like you can tell when she shows up, like even when she's speaking Japanese, that she's doing like some kind of accent. I guess that's what it, uh what Japanese spoken in an American accent is supposed to sound like. But then she speaks English, and you realize, oh. This actress is absolutely a native Japanese speaker, but does not speak English at all. And because... Kind of phonetically. And I 
personally, I, I find it to be very entertaining. And and two, it's funny. I, it's funny for sure. Cast it like narratively because that actress, well, like her English is not like her English like pronunciation to like sound like a native, like a like um like someone actually like who grew up in America is not on point. I love her charisma. She's she's so sharp and full of energy and fun. And I, and I, I, I always like, I always get excited. Yeah, she's screen. like I said, she's one of two characters I could keep track of, mm-hmm. um, in, in a movie that is chock full of so many characters. They have to introduce you to them with, uh, 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 screen name and title. And I still don't remember most of them, but yeah, she's, yeah. she's good. She's, she's a lot of fun. Um, it is really funny. Uh, as Americans to have them present this character as, oh yeah, she's a she's a born and bred American, and hear her speak English, and just uh, she clearly is not. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like uh, the writing and characterization for her is great, but it's just the delivery of the English lines. Yeah, come, which is there's even like one bit where they're like in their they've built their science room up for the first time, and she comes in, and like it's just. We didn't even see her face say it, but just off screen, she goes, yes, <laughs> like that. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, and you know what? I can't even be too hard on this actress because apparently uh, when she accepted the role, she did not even realize like how much the character was supposed to speak English oh, until no. she like got the script and started rehearsing and she did not speak English at all. So they had to hire her. I think they. I think I read that they hired some YouTuber to come in and be like her dialect coach. That whatever. explains so much. And, and I feel like I feel like for somebody <laughs> for somebody who obviously like had never spoken, like did not speak English and did not know English, to like come in and have to like phonetically try to pronounce English without really knowing what you're saying. I think she did a commendable job. Yep. I won't. I won't say passable because it's not. But <laughs> but entertaining regardless. Sure. Yeah. And honestly, it's well, like the, I it's could a, do the it's other a, way around. It's oh, like it's a Japanese-made film, first and foremost for Japanese audiences. Like, can most of them tell? Probably not. So who fucking cares, right? Like, I wouldn't. I would not be able to discern if a character in a movie speaking Russian was doing a, a passable job of speaking Russian, right? Who cares? It, also, it doesn't help that like the dialogue is clearly written by someone fluently speaks Japanese, but does not fluently speak American because <laughs> English. <laughs> um, uh, this is America. But like, there's, there's a moment where she meets with her dad also, and we never see the dad's face. They do like the whole like Dr. Claw thing where his, he's all, you know, like it, it doesn't matter who he is. And like, you don't have to think about like, all the, the technicalities of it, and we just hear. The well, American it's because he was a Japanese. It's because he was a Japanese actor, and they got uh, an American, uh, a native over. English speaker, to do a, to do right. ADR over it. Exactly. Literally, like, aside, yeah. aside from her, all of the other characters who speak other languages throughout the movie are always shot either from behind or from a, a far distance. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> For yeah, that reason, or neck below, or neck yeah, below. Or neck below. But yeah. Even still, like his. The lines themselves, like they they got an American actor to to say the lines for the senator himself, but um, the lines themselves are still like clearly like there's like that translation element. Like one of the last things he says to her is like, "Well, if you want to become the president, you're gonna have to worry about this. Otherwise, mud will stick." And it's like, "Well, that's that's like a that's a Japanese colloquialism." Like clearly, <laughs> like that's like um, 
But I think yeah. that's fun. Like, uh, I, once again, that's, that's the kind of thing that I, I enjoy in a movie, if anything. So it's yeah, good. it's charming. You, you said that, like, you only really remember two of the characters. There's actually a couple I wanted to touch on that I, I okay. like a lot. Um, so when Godzilla does his nuclear breath, he he kills the Prime Minister and a bunch of other people. I like the Prime Minister because he uh, he showed, like, someone who clearly, like, got the job for a reason, but, like, couldn't necessarily make all the right decisions in the right amount of time. And um, He's not like, doing a very part. good job in this no. movie. <laughs> looked the part of a prime minister and he spoke with the voice of a prime minister but he had the uncertainty of a of a civilian and um like like you can see the surprise on his face when they say yo these attack copters are coming in they want to shoot at godzilla but they're civilians what do we do and he goes oh uh. oh no like and it's like everyone everyone's always gathered around him the camera gets very claustrophobic when it's from his perspective as he's clearly like just overwhelmed like there's just so many people giving him all this advice and there's contradicting contradicting information flying around, and he doesn't know what to do. And I love that. I think it's really good. And uh, we don't even see, like, we don't even get, like, a close-up shot of him inside of the helicopter when it's hit. It's in the distance. They're like, oh, the Prime Minister's taking off, and boom, he's gone. Just a purple laser just whips right through the helicopter, and he's he's exploded forever. He's gone. And I, I like that. I like that it's, it feels sort of impersonal, because God, it's, it happens impersonally. Again, Godzilla's a force of nature. And uh, I think, like, uh... Other directors probably would have had, like, a shot of him inside of the, the copter as he's, like, you know, like, Last Crusade, like, just melted alive or something silly. And I like that we don't get that. It's it's a mid-shot of the helicopter. It's gone. He's gone. We're moving on. Um, uh, but the man who takes up his role is, like, the lead of the Agricultural Commission or something? Like, yep. just happened to be, like, at the point of, like, highest seniority. And... They talk about him off screen a little bit, and we cut to him. And I love, I love how they set him up. It's it, they're like, all right, sir, you know, here's your, uh, here's your soba, and they bring in like his his bowl of like ramen or whatever, and he looks at it and goes, oh, the noodles are soggy. <laughs> like it just shows, like, oh no, we've got like an incompetent old geezer at the reins now. Like we've almost gone from bad, like a guy who like can kind of do it, but he's, he's unsure to, like, just a complete nincompoop. Like, this guy's not going to get anything done. And it's great, because it leaves a vacuum for our protagonist to take the reins, politically. I, I love all that stuff. We never get to see him, but I really love the characterization they do for uh, Goromaki, the original scientist who was studying Godzilla. Oh, yes! Oh, yeah, and yeah. Great point. This idea, you know, that they bring up uh, his wife had suffered from, you know, radiation poison, and she had passed away because of it, and he resented, really, anyone who worked in radiation, that's why he had left, like, the DOE, and, you know, when he left that final message uh, to the heroes, you know, it's, do with this as you will, you know, as much as he hates the idea of radiation, um, you know, and to, to get into the plot, one of the things he finds out is that Godzilla is creating new isotopes, and one of the things they bring up is that this isotope has a half-life of 30 days, which in the realm of, you know, radioactive material is absolutely really? nuts. Yeah, brief. Yeah, if if we could have something that had a half-life of 30 days, like, there'd, there'd be no nuclear waste issue at all. And, you know, this could completely revolutionize the world, but I feel like, you know, part of 
his hatred for it kind of, you know, stops him from kind of publishing this. And he just wants to see, you know, well, what will humanity do with this information? Yeah, he's he's a really interesting character. Well, non-character, I guess. He leaves a lot of interesting clues, but he's, like, totally absent from the film at all. Um I like Which, that. I like the mystery of. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's cool. He's the one who like predicted Godzilla years ahead of time. Um, was he? Yeah, he'd been I, living. He'd been living like the U.S. right, and that was part of the reason that like the U.S. was so determined to uh, like help Japan get this shit under control fast to like mitigate them of responsibility because like he had been living there when he was doing all this research. And also Godzilla fed on nuclear waste from the U S originally. Right. Like, isn't that where like, it was like a nuclear dumping site. No, it was, that was, it was one of Japan's sites. It was Japan's. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I Um, really love the really elaborate diagram that's left. That they couldn't make heads or tails of until they uh, they folded <laughs> it. Well, they realized until they that he, 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 left, a crane. he yeah. left a paper crane on the table, and they realized it was a clue, and that you have to fold the the diagram like origami. So you go these scientists with these like big elaborate charts, like folding them in like all these elaborate ways, and it's really fun. It's, yeah, uh, Godzilla's genome is. Godzilla's genome is so complex that it can only be understood if you fold the paper into like a certain type of shape or something. And that allows them to to crack the the case to be able to uh like create the blood coagulant or whatever that they use to to freeze him. Yeah, you can't um, you can't think about it in just an X and Y dimension. You have to incorporate C. It's so yeah. like I love it. I love it. Um <laughs> No, well, it's cool. I mean, I feel like it, it, it definitely helps contribute to the idea that, like, Godzilla is something that is, like, alien, you know? Like, it's it's the most advanced evolutionary, like, life form on the planet, right? Well, speaking um, of that, and its advancements, and how it evolves, Spence, can you drop the coolest shit? Yeah, I, I put it in the recording channel, but, um, so I don't know if, uh, you guys saw this, um, if any of you are looking up, but, so there was actually a whole part of the film that was cut out, and that, um, the teaser at the end of the movie is actually part of, you know, we get this, um, close-up of, well, and first of all, I just want to mention, um, there's a shot before, you know, when we have our final dialogue, uh, with, uh, Yaguchi, and the um, U.S. character, you know, where they're on this building, and in the background is just, you know, Godzilla's corpse after it's been solidified, and it's just this statue, you know, in the middle of Tokyo. And when they zoom in on it, you know, we have this image that goes up from, like, the base of the tail, and you get to the top of the tail, and you see these weird humanoid creatures kind of, like, spewing off from the tail as, like, pieces of him fall apart. And what was supposed to happen was there was supposed to be two additional forms. One where actual Shin Godzilla becomes a humanoid form very much reminiscent of the angels from Evangelion. And a sixth form, which this is how he would propagate and what those are in his tail is those are the corpses of the people in the buildings that he smashed that he's assimilating their DNA 
and kind of overriding it. And they were going to, like, kind of propagate from his tail and, like, bring corpses and humans to him in order to, like, fully saturate and reproduce. So fucking awesome. Turning uh, Godzilla into, like, true Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I had heard some of that stuff. I'd also heard that, like, a very early draft of the script had him, like, continuing to grow and evolve and become larger until eventually he got so large that he consumes the universe. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like... That's just that's just Gurren Lagann at that point. Like that's man, uh, I don't know. I feel like that would have been that would have been a kind of fucking baller way to end the movie that Godzilla like, gets so like big that he has to like, like uh, um, the universe. Yeah, like a uh, uh, Katamari, you know, Thomas E. <laughs> yeah, and takes everything into. But yeah, no, I I fucking love this. Like that he he like slowly like incorporates people into him and like other matter as that he evolves. Rose and becomes a strange life form, and man, the concept art for like yeah, the alien form is fucking terrifying too. Like, doll face, like I, I I love it, but I will say, I'd love to see that in a sequel. Um, but I really like that we cut right after seeing like we cut to credits right after seeing that shot of his tail with the people like some sort of people form was starting to come off of it. It leaves so yeah, much it's like they, imagination. It's really terrifying. Just, just narrowly avoided something like really horrible mm-hmm. by freezing him when they did. And like, of course, is he? Did they like actually kill kill him, or is he in a state of dormancy? Like, will he wake up again someday? Um, I I love I love that uh, ambiguity. I I will say. Um, the odds of us getting a sequel to this anytime soon seem pretty much nil, because I learned today that part of the deal that Toho made with giving the, the rights to Godzilla to Legendary to to make these movies is that they're not allowed to make any further live-action Godzilla movies while any of the legendary monster verse movies are still are like still in production like while they're still making those movies. Oh. Okay. So um interesting enough that uh deal actually somewhat changed um around oh? the time of Godzilla versus Kong uh whenever it was oh? coming out to they don't want the films in post production uh to overlap. So they're allowed to um, make domestic films, but whenever they're in the marketing phase um, of either a Legendary Verse or a Toho film, uh, they can't start production on uh, another film. Okay, um, so it's a leapfrog thing. Yeah, that's it, a that's a little less strict and I'm more agreeable, I think. Because I was going to say, like, if the yeah. original deal still stood, I was going to be pissed because, like. As a hater of most of these legendary movies, like, are they keeping me from more Shin Godzilla? Because if so, fuck that. <laughs> but I do well, also honestly, have... That sounds like, a, like a, a smart strategy, because you don't want... Because, like, Shin yeah, you don't... All right in the U.S., like, you don't want to cannibalize those sales. Right? You don't, you don't want them to compete with right. each other, yeah. Yeah, that's that makes perfect sense to me. That seems fine. Yeah. I do well, have bad news, though. Oh, no. Um, one, which is that 
uh, Anno is notoriously uh, not very easy to work with. And I won't say there's bad blood, um, but there was definitely, you know, a lot of kind of, uh, you know, we didn't really enjoy working with him on Toho's side, and Anno didn't really enjoy working with Toho um, on his side, to the point that coming back for exactly a Shin Godzilla 2 doesn't seem likely. But there was actually an announcement, um, which is that a new domestic um, Godzilla film is coming out actually this year, November 3rd. What? Um, wow. Yep. Is there a trailer and for that? There is just a teaser. But uh, we have the director, um, who is Takayashi Yamazaki. Um, and I don't know if you guys know anything about him. He was the director of Lupin the Third the First. No shit. As well as the, uh, the Parasite movies and the Dragon Quest Your Story movie. Wow. I've and seen it, none of that, but... Yeah, and in terms of Godzilla... I know those words. <laughs> in terms of Godzilla, there was actually a ride for the Universal theme park in Japan that he did a very short kind of like uh, intro sequence for. Oh, um, interesting. Is it good? It is very much, uh, you know, kind of base Godzilla, which is where um, a lot of this is kind of seeming to take place. Um, a lot of just what we know about the film is that it's going to start in World War II era Japan and oh. then kind of go through history. So almost like another reboot, kind of. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting approach going over that much of a time span. You know, because that's, that's one of the things I really like about this movie is that it it's essentially within the span of, like, what, a, a week or two? Yeah, it's um, like two, two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah I think... I think several weeks, because I do think they're at one point, they're like, uh, Godzilla, he's predicted to come out of his dormancy in about 15 days or something like that. Yeah, that's right. It's it's yeah. not, it's not like, so I, I think, I think that it does take place over the course of several weeks. I don't know exactly how long it is between when he goes back into the ocean to like cool off and when he comes back. But uh, yeah, a, a relatively short period of time. I think it was two weeks from when Kamada-kun came on to when he okay. comes back. Yeah. And then so, there were the additional two weeks after the laser scene. So we're looking at like between one and two months for the, 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 yeah. the story. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Hey, I Godzilla through the ages could be, could be fun. Like I said, just another flavor of big lizard. As long as it's well cooked, I'm I'm happy. One one more thing before we before we wrap up, um, that I I want to dip our toes into. We don't have to get too into it because I I don't know if any of us are really qual that qualified for it. But I do know that like from certain people like in Japan, this movie has gotten some some sort of uh, criticism of being like pretty nat like nationalistic and like right wing um like i'm i'm certainly not enough of a of an expert on japanese politics to to say like for sure i think there are some pretty heavy-handed like nationalistic overtones especially in 
um, the 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 back half. But I'm just curious if like how how you guys interpret any of that. I personally took it at face value. I think the one of the scenes that stands out in particular is like quote like nationalistic is when the protagonist is giving his speech to all the soldiers, like who are gonna have to go into this irradiated zone and man these trucks to like inject the fluid into uh, pump the you you. You might die, but you're giving your lives for the glory of Japan. Well, so Japan on is so strongest forth. in the field. Like, yeah. and all of those lines. Like, big nationalism, but also, like, that's what you say to soldiers going into a battle. Like, that's what you do. Like, and, and so, like, I think at face value, like, that's how it would go in the moment. And and also, like, for a movie that, that would be, like, considered to be, like, super nationalistic, it's pretty fucking critical of the government. Like... And, you know, nationalistic things can be, like, oh, down with bureaucracy, you know, in with, like... Well, it's it's critical of the... It's critical of the current government, but it it certainly offers, like, our two main protagonists as, like, you know, uh, uh, sort of, like, hope for for a better tomorrow, right? And I think that... And I think that... I, I do think that Yaguchi as a character is is pretty nationalistic, um, and you know, like both he and uh, the 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 American woman. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. Her name is Kayoko Ann Patterson. Um, she obviously does what she does for political like means as well, right? Like she wants to be president. You know, she wants to be president of the United States. So I, I don't know. Again, like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm well versed enough in Japanese politics to say for sure. But I do think that, like, you know, they're a big part of the second act. It's like, well, we've got to figure out this contingency to, like, fill Godzilla with this blood coagulant to freeze him, right? Because the alternative is that America is going to drop a nuke on him. And are we really going to let America drop a nuke on Japan again? Like, are we going to let this happen again? And, you know, I think that that, like, that is something that I I can <laughs> certainly sympathize with that feeling. Is like, are we really going to let this foreign power nuke us over and over, right? Like, even, even if like, it's... With our, us asking them to, which is, like, the most humiliating and, like, terrifying aspect of it. Right. Too. Is it's like, yeah. you know, we need the U.S.'s help in this, but asking the U.S. to help us means asking... And, like, that's... That's pretty wretched. Like, so, um, from, from like, an... Yeah, from... I, I can I can get down with it from, like, an anti-U.S., anti-imperialist kind of perspective. Beyond that, I don't, I don't feel, like, educated enough to say much more about the film's politics. But it is very much, like for the glory of of the great nation of Japan, you know. So, it's interesting. Um, you know, I I mentioned to uh one of my good friends, uh his name is Far. Um, you know, we're both really big Godzilla fans. I mentioned that I was coming on this podcast and um and going back through Shin Godzilla, you know, I kind of was looking at the reaction and I disagree with a lot of the initial thought, which was that um, Ano made this really weird kind of like anti-America, like let's go Japan film. Um, because although there is a lot in the film that speaks out against um, 
you know, the kind of vassal stating of Japan and, you know, America pushing its way into its politics. There actually is a very interesting scene where when they start talking about the UN Council that um, once uh, Kayoko mentions that, you know, there's this Yaguchi plan, the U.S. and France actually want to call off the nuclear strike until after this. And it's actually China and Russia that are like, hey, if you don't do it, we're going to do it. Which kind of forces the U.S.'s hands um, because they're kind of seen like, you know, globally as like the handler of Japan that like they would have to nuke them. And another, you know, scene is um, whenever we go to America and they have President Ross, you know, famous President Ross. I love him. He was the 46th president, something like that. You know, one of the... uh, Senators mentions, you know, that like two weeks seems a lot for us in the global world, but to, you know, ask Japan to evacuate all their citizens in two weeks is like barely enough time. And yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the the idea I kind of get from the film and and another, you know, um, thing that's kind of pulled is um, Yaguchi actually makes a statement. Um, against kind of Japan imperialism and like nationalism, where he mentions that, you know, this idea of seeing Japan as great and, you know, the arbiter of all causes without needing help is what led to the death of 3 million Japanese people during World War II. Um, that is, you know, yeah, that's an excellent point. That is a it, really great moment, too. He's I think. very yeah. blamely, you know, calling out, uh, like, you know, the Tojo Empire. Um, and, you know, saying like, hey, there's all this stuff here. But I think it really paints more a picture in terms of the Japanese politics of, you know, to not accept the status quo of not only, you know, geopolitical, but the um, inner politics that really led to the disaster of the Fukushima um, response which, you know, was uh, government bodies being like, oh, well, I can't do anything until we have this meeting. Or, you know, this is unprecedented, so we're going to need to pass a bill before I can even discuss this or do this. Um, and it kind of paints this picture of, as a you know Japanese person, if you see a way to improve the country and to better it, you know, it's wrong to sit idly by. We need to, you know, step up and kind of take the first plunge. Interesting perspective. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that to the table um, because I, I feel like I, I had sort of glossed over a couple of those moments in the movie too, just because of like how much is going on and, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> and, and like how many characters there are and like just how, uh, how often it's like jumping to new things. So. Um, I definitely you know, appreciate that. There's a lot. And, um, you know, just another scene is that small scene we have where they go to Japan to ask them to use their supercomputers. As Cleveland uh, said it when we were watching it, you know, the, the Fortnite hosting servers. Epic Fortnite servers. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, when they go to Germany? Yeah. And, you know, um, the person who brings it up and he's like, we're not going to open our systems. You know, these are all proprietary secrets. And, uh, you know, the lady is like, where's your empathy for your fellow man? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like we. She tells him like we'd be glad to do it. It's like, of course we're gonna help you with your big radioactive lizard problem. Why wouldn't we? Right. Uh, I want to just briefly before we wrap up, I do want to briefly touch on taking Godzilla to the dentist. Oh. If we could. Um. Uh. So the final sequence. We we've talked about what they do. We haven't talked about how they launch like an all-out attack on Godzilla. First off, they by destroying buildings around him so they collectively domino like onto him i love that that's that's really fun with the strategy of like them hitting the building with a missile at one angle and then like several other smaller missiles so it falls like perfectly onto godzilla from all angles and they they pack the trains full of explosives and launch them off the tracks at him yeah um which i think is one of the silliest moments in the movie like when they hit him with like the all force like non-piloted trains and he gets hit by like I don't know, 10 trains at once, and they all, like, spaghetti up around him and explode, and it... it yeah, it's helps. awesome. It's it's great, it's rad, it's silly, and I, yeah, I like it. Um, But anyway, like, so, uh, they knock Godzilla over, and then they bring in the the uh, the crane trucks, and it's a whole platoon of trucks that then, like, proceed to extend out all the arms and, in, and just pour the... Fl- we never see the fluid, like, the, the cranes just go deep into his mouth, and they're just, like, pumping that in there. And they just like pump all like the the glue, the Elmer's glue into his mouth, um, to turn him into a statue. And uh, he wakes up, and they 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 have to do it twice. Um, he wakes up, destroys all the cranes, and then they knock him over at the next location. And apparently, that was all a a direct uh, reference to the Fukushima disaster because they used those same kind of cement trucks to uh, uh, try to cool off the uh, the the meltdown as it was happening. So mm-hmm. that's something that the that Japanese wow. people that's an image that Japanese people would recognize as all of these trucks gathered around like trying to pump like cooling fluid uh you know in this case into the mouth of a big radioactive lizard. Yeah. And it really does look like he's at the dentist when he just has, like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's like, like... with his mouth open they're just like all these little straws just like dumping shit into his mouth <laughs> and it, and it works and and they did it and they saved the day all right um we we've been going long so we should wrap up so uh, uh please this was your pick for a movie why don't you start with the rating yes yeah. um well you know we brought up some some light criticisms of this movie but i think they're all things that brought me joy like even the the quote like flaws with this film are are things that i like so, my personal rating, I'm giving it a fucking five. Like, this is, I think, my my new favorite Godzilla movie. I watched it with you guys, uh, Tease and Ben, and the, the next night, I, I, I watched it a second time with Spence, and I had just as much fun watching it a second time. There's a lot to take in with this movie, so it's great for multiple rewatches, and also, like, I mean, I could just watch that laser sequence over and fucking over. Easy, easy five for me. Ben? Yeah, uh, I really like this movie. It's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. Like I said before, I feel like it drags a little bit in the middle, um, but it's really compelling overall, and I love the design of Godzilla and the way it's shot, and uh, that whole ending third act sequence is so good, man. Uh, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, Definitely recommend it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to ditto Ben. Um, for me, this is kind of, and, and 
I've, I've seen a relatively few number of Godzilla films, but for me, I feel like this is the platonic ideal of a Godzilla film. Um, yeah. It is a little long. There's a lot of characters. It's very dense. Uh, it can be hard to track everything that's going on, but uh, it's got uh, like the coolest depiction of Godzilla I've ever seen. Um, some really great ideas. Some some really like good aspects of horror too, which is you know what we love on this podcast. So I'm going to give it a strong four out of five as well. Spence, last but not least, what would you rate Shin Godzilla out of five? I think I have to echo Cleveland. Um... Just to give you know guys some preference, is the first time for your viewers have ever been on here. Um, I tend to rate movies pretty high, especially you know when they involve childhood heroes of mine, um, oh, yeah. and you know things I love. But honestly, for all the faults that I can find in Godzilla, um, and Shin Godzilla, sorry, uh, I think it perfectly encapsulates what a Godzilla film is and. This shoots up to the top five Godzilla list, in my opinion, of all the films. So I have to give it a five out of five. Hell yeah. Well, uh, between the four of us, that will give Shin Godzilla a very strong average of four and a half out of five. Check that shit out if you haven't seen it. Next week, uh, Ben, it's your pick next week, right? Yeah, uh, next week it is my pick. And uh, we're going to dive back into the Argento well. Yes. Uh, I want to cover Opera. By yes. Dario Argento. My uh, favorite Argento. My, my favorite Argento as well, and one of my favorite horror movies in general. Um, I'm super excited to talk about it. For our listeners, it's on Shudder and Tubi, um, if you are interested. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited. Hell yeah. I'm also very excited. I can further my Jallo education. Great. Yep. Um, we do have some results on Ennisman. Yes. Uh, let's do this quick. Yes. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, um, I predicted 82. TCU predicted 78. And Cleveview predicted 50. Right now it's sitting at 78. Tease hit it right on the Ooh. money. Hell yeah. Dude, dude. Um, <laughs> so for opening weekend, I predicted two million. TC predicted five mil, and Cleview predicted eight hundred thousand. Um, as we all know, it got a very limited release. Yeah. Uh, so opening weekend, it did seventy nine grand, seventy nine thousand. Holy shit! So even Cle- we, even Cleveland was way off. Just the yeah, less, the I, least I, way I, off. Uh, but I got it. <laughs> yep, you got it. Uh, and then for collective rating, uh, I predicted four, and Tease and Cleve, you both predicted four and a half. So I win that and one just that by, one low by low low yeah. So we each get one point. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well done. Do we have any quotes uh, for that one? Let's see. I said, what if we make the Wicker Man again? And <laughs> TC said, oh shit, they went and made the Wicker Man again. <laughs> and uh, Cleve, you said, wanky, but good. Uh, ding, ding, ding? Uh, you know. I guess. Kinda. No, no I, think, I think that's it. I think it's a wanky movie. I, I, think, I think my additional comment here kind of encapsulated it pretty well. I said, uh, 
the film will impress visually, but leave us a bit flat on the story side. Oh, no, definitely, yeah. Yeah, there, there you nailed it. You yeah, nailed yeah, for it. sure, for sure. Uh, well, because we're all recording remotely, uh, we're not going to do a sponsor this week. This we're just going to... you by Crinkus McDinkus. Uh, get your Crinkus McDinkus at the Binkus, and uh, there you go. That's the spot. All right, cool. Uh, all right, so that'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Uh, we thank and appreciate them as always. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter, uh, at podpeoplepod, and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake and streaming at twitch.tv slash some spooky snake. Yeah, for my recommendation corner for the week, go check out Breath of the uh not Breath of the Wild, but also Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Check out uh Tears of the Kingdom, the new Legend of Zelda game. Damn, what a I neat have been pick. <laughs> Yeah, what a niche I... recommendation there. I know. You know, I was thinking about giving a more obscure recommendation but i i looked at myself and i realized you've played 45 hours of breath of or of tears of the kingdom in the past week you should not recommend anything besides that <laughs> yeah well i could second that i've also been playing a lot of it oh, yeah. shout out to the little indie company nintendo that could really use the support um, yeah and uh yeah my uh this week uh my shout out of course usually uh to dread xp uh go wishlist mfn it's on the way oh and hannah doom is out go go be a, a, a spooky silly wizard um in our little spooky silly wizard game uh, i did like all of the character portraits ben tease and spence all modeled as uh wizard portraits so you can see their their weird goofy faces in games uh, I, I i put robes on them and beards and silly eyes oh also uh, uh spence's cat mooner is in the uh is in the game as well as an adorable cat wizard that's it for me spence do you have any shout outs yeah you know if if anyone's interested you can follow my ramblings about uh all things you know japanese um and also just a bunch of other stuff at my twitter um it's at dragon spence uh very weird spelling of Spence. It's S-P-E-N-C. Uh, don't blame me. I was 11 years old. Didn't know there was any at the end. <laughs> um, but, Thank you. you know, um, I just want to give a recommendation to the uh, Netflix anime, Godzilla um, uh, Zero Point, I think is it. I think it's uh, a really good Godzilla, especially if you are really hard in the sci-fi. Um, it's only ten episodes long, but each episode feels like a college level course and um you know quantum mechanics, so it, it goes real hard. Spence, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was a delight. Um really glad uh to bring your perspective to this uh this really awesome movie. Um so thank you. And if you guys ever do the other shins or you know anything else, I'm always willing to come back. We'll have you back for sure, no doubt. Uh, Well, thanks everybody for listening. Much like Godzilla, we are going to uh, retreat back into the ocean to cool down and slumber until next we emerge. Good night.
まで知らない」